Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Today we've got a great malicious compliance story involving lasagna. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, you are required by law to make change for me right now. You got it, buddy. Years ago, I worked at a convenience store, and this store handled a lot of cash. We had a sign stating bills over $20 were only accepted with manager approval. In practice, we could accept them after using the detector pen and visual inspection. We also had a policy that we had to keep the cash in the drawer under a certain amount. We had a safe system to make drops and get change, but it had limits and timers when dispensing. Depending on what was needed, it could take 30 minutes to make change for a $100 bill. I was solo on graveyard, kept my drawer low, and didn't have to request change often. The drawer had 5 slots for bill and 5 pockets for coins, but we only kept 1s, 5s, 10s, and 20s in the slots. Other bills and checks were put under until we had enough for a drop. The extra coin pocket was used for dollar coins, half dollar coins, coins people left, some people would tell us to keep the change, etc. If someone was a few cents short, we'd use the spare change. I kept my drawer under the limit. When I was on the graveyard, I was solo and kept my drawer very low and didn't have to request change often. One night, one of our odd regulars came in and bought a bunch of stuff. He paid with Sacagawea dollar coins. They didn't fit in the safe tubes, so I had to keep it in the drawer. It was just over $100 in coins. I spread it out over all the slots so the one side wouldn't get too heavy. The drawer would stick if it was too lopsided. I'd also made a lot of change for payphones, the air and water machines, people buying items to get changed for laundry, etc. I was down to three $1 bills, the Sacagawea dollar coins, zero quarters, a few dimes, and some nickels and a bunch of pennies. A guy comes in and comes up to the register with a 10 cent candy. He slaps a $100 bill on the counter. I ask him if he'll be getting anything else and he says, no. I ask him if he has anything smaller. He says, no. So I tell him, don't worry then, the candy's on the house. I can use the have a penny, leave a penny money. 
He gets mad and says he won't take charity and I need to make change for him. I try to explain that I don't have the cash in my drawer and it would take 30 minutes to get the change. But he keeps interrupting and not listening. He yells, You are required by law to take my legal tender and make change for me right now. All full of attitude and jerkishness. So I say, okay. He acts smug like he won something when I pick up the bill. I pull out my detector pen and he starts witching and moaning. I use the pen in view of the camera. Then I hold the bill up to inspect it in view of the camera. I then put the bill in a safe tube to drop it as we're supposed to drop large bills on graveyard before even opening the drawer, then make the slip and drop after that. The customer is still standing there smugly grumbling and I enter the amount tendered into the register. Now the counter is raised and the drawer is just below the counter, so it's out of reach of customers unless they lean and reach. It also doesn't pop open like usual this time because of the weight of the coins. I open the drawer and push the three singles back in their slot so that the customer can't see them even if he leans over to look in the drawer. He's being dramatic and turning to make a show of how long he's waiting and can you believe this to an audience of no one, so he doesn't notice at first that I'm pulling out all those coins. I pull out the 88 cents or so in change, mostly nickels, and then start pulling out the Sacagawea dollar coins and putting them on the counter. He turns around and sees the coins and asks, what the freak is this crap? So I tell him, I am required by law to accept legal tender and make change. You are required by law to accept legal tender as change. This is what I have available. He continues having a fit, says, you should have told me. I tell him I tried explaining, sir, but you interrupted and insisted I make change, and I go back to counting out the 99 Sagajoia dollar coins. He's silent for a bit and then asks, how the freak am I supposed to get this home? I told him I'm not responsible for his change after I give it to him. He eventually gathers it up in his shirt. He pulled the bottom hem of his shirt about halfway up to make like a large pseudo pocket and slinks off. You know, I would have thought for sure that this was a counterfeit $100 bill during the graveyard shift nonetheless. I am incredibly surprised and blown away that they were trying to get change for a $100 bill by buying something so inexpensive. Something not right is going on here. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is... Customer demands TV satellite dish be reinstalled on the ground after roof is replaced, then wonders why his TV won't work. This is a story told to me by a coworker at a satellite TV installation company that I used to work for years ago, and I've since quit. Absolutely horrible company that treated its employees like dog poo. To help you understand the dilemma, I'm going to lay out some very basic groundwork here on how satellite TV works so that you can understand the dilemma that he was faced with. Context. When we install a satellite dish, we use a special inclinometer to determine whether or not our satellite dish's view will be obstructed. Each region is given a specific azimuth, elevation, and tilt that serves to identify the actual satellite in orbit and to prevent us from installing a non-functioning system. Actual story. With that said, our boss called my coworker to assist with a satellite dish relocation because a customer replaced his roof and they tore the satellite dish off the old roof when the new roof was put on. My coworker arrives and the customer tells him that he would like the satellite dish to be put on a pole outside. He says, fine, where would you like the pole mount to be placed? 
The customer points to an area of his heavily wooded backyard and says very sternly, put the satellite dish right there beneath the trees and point it that way toward the sky. I don't want to be able to see the satellite dish. It's pretty ugly. He walks over to the spot, all the while knowing this isn't going to work, uses his inclinometer, had to make it look like he tried, and says, sir, this isn't going to work here, or anywhere on this ground for this matter. The satellite we're aiming for is past these trees and your TV won't get signal. It'll need to go back on the roof. Well then, point it the other way then, angrily shouts the customer. Technician says, well, it's not going to... How is it not going to work? The sky is open. Is it not? Do you just not want to work or what? That's a brand new roof. Additionally, I should also mention that the tech drove an hour and a half for this. The tech was patient and tried to reason with him, but kept cutting him off before he could explain himself. He would still have an hour and a half drive back for a total of three hours. He was not getting paid by the drive, only by the job, and the boss rearranged his schedule since he was the closest and one of the few techs to have the proper equipment since the warehouse kept such poor stock of the pole mounts and cement. The company essentially screwed him and wouldn't have coughed up the money if the work did not go through, and so he did exactly as the customer said. He placed the satellite dish exactly how the customer wanted it pointed at the sky, and right after that the technician left and the customer was happy. Well, happy right up until he went to turn on his TV and got the error code 771, signal loss on satellite. The tech didn't pick up his phone for the customer when he tried calling, and then eventually the boss called and asked, why didn't you put the satellite dish on the roof? The tech said, I tried to explain it to him. I tried reasoning with him. I told him it wouldn't work where he wanted it, but he absolutely insisted it would because of the clear sky. So I gave him what he wanted. The customer's always right. The boss sympathetically says, yeah, but you know that's wrong. In the end, the customer's TV was out for the next two weeks, and he absolutely deserved every bit of it. From what my coworker told me, the boss didn't hear the end of it from the customer when the customer called in to complain, but my coworker told me that the boss absolutely deserved it because the boss was giving him crap all week. This guy definitely deserved every little bit of it, like OP said. If you're getting a satellite dish installed and the guy says, hey, it's not going to work being pointed that way, or hey, it's going to be obstructed there, they probably know what they're talking about. I mean, what went through this guy's mind? Eh, it'll probably just be a little fuzzy. It might have a little drop out here or there. Our next story is, yes, please punish me by making it harder for you to bother me. The owner of a small company issued me a company cell phone that I didn't need and felt that gave him an excuse to call me any time of day or night, work day or not, with stupid questions. He also kept giving us, those of us with company cell phones, changing rules about using those phones. One rule was that we had to answer ASAP. Another rule was that we were not to talk on the phone while driving. We had to pull over and park and then answer and talk. So one morning I'm driving to work and should get to the office about 15 minutes early when he rings my phone. Morning traffic is heavy near the office and it takes me some time to get out of traffic and park in a parking lot before I answer. He keeps it ringing the whole time. When I finally answer, he asks, where are you? I tell him that I'm about 10 minutes from the office, but I had to stop to answer his call. He asks, why aren't you here yet? I tell him again that I probably would have been at the office by now, but his call and rules have me sitting in a parking lot instead. I ask, what's the hurry? 
Is there an emergency? If I wasn't interrupted, I would have been in the office early. He responds, why aren't you coming? I remind him of his rule that I am not to answer his phone and drive at the same time. This type of stupid banter continues for a while until he gets tired. So he hangs up and I continue to the office, now about 15 minutes late. When I get to the office, the owner meets me and demands that I give him back the phone, says I don't deserve it. Hooray! Now he's unable to keep calling and bothering me. About a week later, owner stops into my cube and asks why I'm not answering his cell phone calls. I remind him that he confiscated that phone. Apparently he shoved it into a drawer and he can't hear it ring. Yeah, I moved on to greener pastures not long after this. I'll tell you what, this sounds like somebody that is not supposed to be owning a company. Either that or they're in a business or industry that is just like so naturally successful that you can be this much of a bumbling fellow and still get away with it. Our next story is, want me to cancel your satellite service? Okay. So we had a client who was not happy with his TV service, tried everything we could to help him out but there was no helping him. We were pretty sure he was credit hopping asking to get a reduction on bill, but we note everything so we knew what he was up to. Finally, he snaps, gets rude and says, just cancel my service. We ask, are you sure? And he screams, yes. Usually we close it off at the end of a billing cycle, but not this time. We send an immediate disconnect and he starts screaming, what happened to my TV? Well, sir, we offered you many options to fix the issue, but you rejected them all and you said cancel. We asked, are you sure? And you said, yes. Have a nice day. He hung up. Eventually, he called back and had it reconnected, but not till the next day. Probably missed what he wanted to watch that night. Thankfully for this jerk in this case, it's actually pretty easy to turn that service back on and get signed right back up. Honestly, I'm impressed they had to even wait a day. Our next story is, you want lasagna? Okay. This happened around 22 years ago when the compliance was against me. I was a second year student at a university, approximately two hours drive away from my hometown. My brother was abroad on a gap year and my parents were suffering from empty nest syndrome. One day my mom called, said they missed me and asked me to visit home the next weekend. I hadn't been home for more than a month and was missing home, so I immediately decided to go. But being the cheeky student I was, I asked her if she would make lasagna if I visited her. Her lasagna is the best. When she said no, I told her I would only visit if she made lasagna. Over the next few days, this conversation repeated until she caved and agreed to making lasagna. After I arrived home on the Friday evening, mom served lasagna for dinner. I, of course, was very chuffed with myself. The next morning, my mom called me for breakfast and served me a plate of lasagna. Long story short, that weekend, I had lasagna for every meal except Sunday lunch. As I headed to my car to return to uni, my mom handed me 10 plastic containers, each containing a generous serving of frozen lasagna. I did not touch lasagna for at least two years after that and never again tried to extort anything from my parents. I just want to understand the psychology of why she didn't want to make lasagna so badly. Like, I just feel like most moms in that situation, if somebody's like, oh, I love your insert dish here, could you please make it for me when I visit? Most moms would be like, oh, I'd love to. I already have it in the oven right now. Our next story is, leaving five minutes early is too much? Okay. First time posters of the sub. 
I'm going to preface this by saying I know leaving 5 minutes early is sort of a privilege, but I had gotten approval for this from my manager and her direct boss. I leave 5 minutes early to catch an earlier train that will get me home 40 minutes earlier than the next train. I had informed my boss and her boss, if this was 2 weeks prior to me actually starting, to take the earlier train, and both said yes. I've been taking this train since January. Fast forward to today, and all of a sudden, my manager tells me I cannot leave early anymore because she's gotten in trouble for it, which I found weird because both her and her direct boss had given me the approval already and it's been good for months with no issue. I then find out from a coworker that a higher up in a totally different department happened to catch wind that I was leaving 5 minutes early and told my manager to stop letting me leave early because I'm not special and shouldn't be able to leave early to catch a better train for myself. What really is the kicker here is that I come in 10 to 15 minutes early every day and I'm never late. But apparently 5 minutes is too much of an ask, so instead of leaving 5 minutes early, I'm now leaving 15 minutes later which doesn't affect me in any way because the next train doesn't come for a while. So now I'm racking two and a half hours of overtime every week between the time I come in early and stay late for pretty much no downside on my end because I'd spend that time waiting at the station regardless. So can we all just be like civilized humans and understand that saving your employees 40 minutes of commute time at the end of the day is worth letting them leave five minutes early? I got some choice words for that other higher up. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 